I am really excited this morning, even though you may not be able to tell by my demeanor, um, because my head's been pounding all morning, it was pretty much pounding all night, pounding now, and to this point, the Lord has not told me what he has for this morning, so I'm excited. Because I know when he withholds things to that point, it's not to keep it from us. It's to surprise the enemy. So let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you, God, that in you, All things are possible. We thank you, Father, for the plans that you have had before the even the creation of the world to bring forth the days that we live in right now. Oh, these days are awesome. And yet these days are weighty. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the weight of these days. Not to compare them to what we've known. Or even to compare them to what we have thought. Because who could put a hold on you? When you have said, I am doing a new thing, behold, can't you see it? Lord, help us to see it. Overwhelm us with your presence. I offer myself as a conduit to be used by you. It is my desire that there is nothing of me in this place. I give you my hands and my feet. I give you my mind, my will. I give you my voice to do with it what you would please. To do your will. I pray that as it goes out, that your words penetrate the atmosphere, that your words penetrate our hearts. That your will is done as it moves through this time. I thank you for this family here. I thank you for those all over the world that have the courage to believe and to step in your will. 
and to recognize not only the signs of the times, but the responsibility of your bride. Oh Lord, we love you desperately. We seek you. And we claim your promise that you have said when we seek you, we'll find you. We seek you this morning. We desire you. Help nothing to get in the way of your word. Nothing. Not pain. Not any of us. We want you to come forth according to your will. For we're hungry for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for those online who don't know what in the world happened last week, I'll explain a little bit as to why we weren't on last week. Last week, a ministry began here that we used to have years ago, but the Lord had always said he would start back up again. It's called Lydia's Closet. What's interesting is his plan for it is not what it was, right? What it was was a a way for ladies to get, I, I don't know, really nice clothing, really cheap. I mean, that's the easiest way to say it. But, oh, it's so much more than that. In in fact, the Lord said to us this week that it would be his platform. I don't begin to know what that means. But I know the Lord uses things to speak. He speaks to his children. He speaks to those who would listen. And that's what he's going to use Lydia's for. So last week... We were here on Sunday, we just weren't online. And it didn't look like this. <laughs> there, there were clothes everywhere on racks and on tables and everything else. And it was set up to be open in the afternoon and we were open all week. And God established something there. You know what he established? It's going to surprise you. The church is different, guys. Church is different. We don't come here to church. We don't go to a building to church. Those listening online, you don't go to your local assembly and that is church. Now that's not what the Lord said. The Lord said we're the church. We are His temple. His temple is to be built for Him. It's right here. It's right here. Now, don't be confused. I'm not saying that you don't go anywhere and you just kind of have church within yourself. That's not what I'm saying. Be clear on the definition of what this means. We are His temple for Him to inhabit, but He has called us to gather. He has called us to come together. So, in reality, what this is, is a gathering place. What we are doing is gathering. That's what we did last Sunday amongst the clothes. 
I almost wish we would have been online because it was kind of a, I mean, you probably wouldn't have seen where the people were because it was between all the clothes. We brought in folding chairs. We kind of sat between the clothes and, and we worshiped and we reached out and loved and adored and worshiped the Lord. That was church. That was us gathering to give him the praise that he deserves. And I'll tell you what, he's been telling me all week, church is changing, guys. And I don't mean just here. I mean, here it's been changed for a long time. I'm talking about the institutions all over the world that have called themselves the church. He is dismantling them. He is breaking them down. He told me years ago, I am taking all the denominations of the world and I will destroy them. Ooh, that's a tough word. That's a tough word when you grow up thinking that your denomination has the stronghold on the truth of God. Because you're literally basing that upon traditions that you've believed and grown up in. Or ways that you have taken the Word of God and parsed it in such a way that, that this is how it is in the kingdom of heaven without ever seeking the kingdom of heaven. How can you do that? I speak this here, but I speak this online. How do you do that? When in His Word itself it says, Seek the kingdom first. You can't possibly know the intimacy of the Lord without Matthew 6.33. You can't possibly know Him without seeking Him first. You can't. There's no such avenue of relationship with Him. You can only do it from seeking Him in His kingdom where He is. And guess what? <laughs> hate to tell you, but that's done by faith. That's done by an exercise of something that is difficult for mankind. Ever since the fall, faith has become something that is of great cost to us. But yet, it pleases God. In fact, that's why it pleases God. Because of the cost of of that faith. Man, we, when we walk in that, it's a hard place to walk. Anybody in here can tell you that. When we choose to walk in His kingdom and seek His kingdom, we're walking in a faith that will make no sense here. Now, five years ago, six, seven, eight years ago, that was really hard. That was really hard. And I'm not saying it's not hard now. But over time, everything that the Lord has told us was going to come, that we literally walked in the faith for, is coming true. That is the justification of faith. It's when faith becomes a reality. Now, it doesn't mean that that all of a sudden is faith for those who didn't believe. 
they still have to take that step of belief. You could be stuck in this world and stuck in its ways, or you could choose to seek the kingdom and be motivated toward His kingdom and His ways and His truth. There's no, two, there's no other than those two ways. You can't choose your own path, because your own path is the world's path. Ever since the fall, it became one or the other. So I want to encourage you, especially online, that church <laughs> is where God puts your voice. Man, and I, I was thinking about this last Sunday night. Sunday night. That's kind of like my time to veg a little bit. You know, Sundays are, are typically kind of difficult, grueling days, whatever. Get, get home, kind of veg out a little bit, and, you know, whew, thank you, Lord. And last week I was thinking of all that he started bringing to my mind, all the places that he has brought us to worship that were unconventional, that didn't make sense. I was thinking of creation. In fact, this was the last creation that we were at. And I don't mean like creation of God's earth. <laughs> I mean the festival. As, as a church and before this, as a, as a college group, a youth group, we used to go to creation every year. It was a music festival up in Pennsylvania. And I remember the last one we went to. The Lord had said things about it and that sort of thing, about what was to happen and, and about the, the wrong spirits that were in control there. And we were to let them know, and we did, and, and all of that. I'm not going to get into that. But there was a point at which they chose a wrong path. We weren't allowed to choose that path. I remember standing up in the middle of the, the, I don't know, it's a field basically up on the side of a mountain. And I don't know how many were there of us, 50, 50 or 60, something like that. Out of, I don't know, tens of thousands of people. I think there were 30,000 people there this year. But we're standing up in the middle of this field singing as loud as we could possibly sing because the Lord had said to continue to worship Him while they were doing their little marketing thing to bring in money. And we did. We were having church. We were the bride having church. It was an unconventional place. But see, the Lord wasn't done with His worship even though mankind cut it off from the stage, he wasn't done. And he said, no, 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 you guys keep going. You keep going. And it was disruptive. And it was awkward. And it was difficult. Even some people within our own group were like, what are we doing? I can't do this. Guess what? They're not here anymore. Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. Because those choices cost they cost us who we are we can be for ourselves or we could be for god but he brings us forth in unconventional places to worship him i i remember another time this was long before we were a church 
when we first started doing these prayer walks, and, and this, was, this was the first vision God gave me of this billion-soul harvest. And it, it, was, it was insane. That was back before I knew anything about a prophecy of a billion-soul harvest. I didn't know anything about that. I, I didn't even really know about how God speaks to you and, and all these things. This was brand new with all this, you know, we're just learning and stuff. And, and there, I don't know how many people we, Josh was there. I know Casey was there. There, there were many others here. Oops. And basically we were at the University of Delaware on a prayer walk on, I'm pretty sure, the coldest day in history. There was maybe four or five inches of snow on the ground, right? And it was bitter cold. Do you remember that, Josh? It was bitter cold. And we're walking around, and and there are times we would come together and we would just worship. And that was church. (laughs) That was church there in that 12,000 degree below zero weather. That was church. Because he had gathered his people to worship him. Words were given that day. In fact, he gave a word that day. It was the, the thing that I just told you about. It, here, here it was, and I, I think I've shared this before. I can't remember, but um, it was bitter cold, snow on the ground, and... When we used to do prayer walk, I'd have the people, the, the young people, and this when we were a college group, they would go out in twos and threes and they would just pray over the buildings or pray over whatever the Lord led them to pray on. I would walk by myself and my job, my whole job was to pray for them. So this day I'm walking and I'm just praying, Lord, help them to warm up just a little bit. It's really cold out here. Help them. There, and we, we had... I don't know, 20 people, 25 people, whatever it was, I can't remember. We had, we had a really good crowd, and nobody, literally nobody else is out. Just, just these wacko people. And I'm praying for them. And we come together, and or we, we start to come, I come to the middle where, where we're all going to meet, and, and I'm praying this, and all of a sudden, I'm praying for this massive massive harvest and the lord tells me let me show you the harvest that i'm going to have through ignition i said okay awesome how are you going to show me and he said for every snowflake that you see it's the soul that'll be saved okay and i i start looking first of all the the skies are clear. As far as I could see, the skies are clear, and it starts to snow. And I remember thinking, where in the world is the snow coming from? I remember looking up, and it's clear blue sky, and I'm thinking, is it, is it being blown off the roofs? But it wasn't. You could see it. You look up. I look up into the sky, and I would just start to see these snowflakes just come down out of clear blue sky. I don't know if that's a scientific phenomenon or whatever. It doesn't matter. Because what the Lord was showing me was the impact that ignition was going to have on this harvest. And I remember even at that point, it warming up. 
Because earlier in the day it wasn't, it wasn't sunny. It, it, was, it was overcast. I think it might have been windy. I can't remember. It was just cold. But then it warms up. And, and yet with it warming up, still those snowflakes are coming down. See, God had church right there that day. He had church. Because there were hearts gathered together to serve Him. And it didn't matter the circumstances. It didn't matter the surroundings. God is going to do church here in Elkton, in this area, whatever you want to call it, in ways that are going to be unconventional to us. I don't know what it looks like. I'm, I'm not saying that because he's given me some itinerary of stuff. I don't care. I know that he's going to have it everywhere. Because people are to hear. Do you know you don't cease being the bride when you go away from this place Sunday afternoon and you go into work Monday morning? You're still the bride. You're still his church. You're to have church right there. You're to be an influence on those around you right there. And see, it's so needed in this time because we find ourselves in very unique days. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody here. Probably not a surprise to most who have listened to us online for any length of time. But we find ourselves in very unique times right now. In fact, this week the Lord had, for, for so long now, He has taken the minor prophets and He has shown so many correlations to these days from the eyes of the minor prophets. But there's one in particular that He always takes me back to, and that's Zechariah. Zechariah is one that He has told me is a blueprint of these times. Now, I, I'm not going to try and define these times. <laughs> I know when you, when you read Zechariah, I can tell you basically we're in about chapter 5, right around there, in terms of historical meaning right now. Everything up there has happened, it's historic. It has happened, whether you think so or not. But I'm not saying that it's happened by faith. I'm saying it's happened because we've seen it. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We've been there and have seen it. You know what? In fact, turn. Turn to Zechariah chapter 5, because this is where I believe we're at right now as a nation. There has been a beginning of his church to be built, of his bride to be readied. We've talked about it. Oh, good night. We've talked about it for years. The readying of the bride. <laughs> Revelation 3 9. You know, we've talked about that so many times. But where we're at right now is the depth or the deepening of this line in the sand. And I'm noticing as weeks go on, and this line cuts deeper and deeper and deeper, I'm noticing the cost of it. 
I'm noticing people that are unwilling to take that cost, to make that choice. I'm seeing it in their lives. Opposite of that, I'm seeing in the lives of those who say, cut as deep as you want, because I'm with you all the way. What has gone out is chapter 5. Let me begin at the beginning of chapter 5, verse 1 of Zechariah. Again, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? I answered, I see a flying scroll. By the way, that, that term flying means active. This is not a passive word. This is an active word. This is a word that seeks throughout to completely permeate the entire earth. It's a flying scroll. It is active. I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and its width 10 cubits. That's a pretty big scroll, by the way. Now, I'm not going to rabbit hole into that, but there, there is meaning behind that size. It refers to the temple and the tabernacle. I, I, I'm not going to dovetail into that right now. Verse 3. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. The moment you read that, you think, uh-oh, okay, enemy's doing something. Don't stop there. Keep going. Because you'll recognize it's not the enemy at all. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side. And everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. Verse 4. I will send it out, declares the Lord of hosts. This is from God. This is a declarative word from God that has already gone out. This is a deepening of that line in the sand. Right? God has been putting this line in the sand first for His bride and primarily for His bride to choose. I think we talked about this two weeks ago, if I recall correctly. Choose whom you are going to serve. Right? No more fence walking. No more thoughts wavering in your mind of, well, you know, I'm here. Okay, no, I'm over here. And okay, I'm going to believe you. Lord. No, I, my faith is wavering. Those days are gone. Those days are being pulled out literally from under the feet of those who would have them. Who would not make a choice? A choice will be forced upon you if you do not make a choice anyways. Because not making a choice is a choice. Do you understand? The curse that goes out. The first side. Now understand this on a scroll. In Jewish tradition, there's only one type of scroll that is written on both sides, and it's a deed. It is ownership to land. I find that really interesting because you see that in a couple of places 
Specifically, you see it in, I believe it's chapter 5 or the end of chapter 4, somewhere in there of Revelation, where the Lamb comes and takes the seven-sealed scroll written on front and back. What is that? That was a deed to the earth. It was literally what he purchased. He purchased 2,000 years ago. He already purchased. He has not taken ownership of it yet, but that's what that scroll is. That's ownership of the earth. He will do that for Israel. This one is written on the front and the back, and it is for ownership as well. It is the very thing that is supposed to be his bride's. Everything that he has promised his bride is to be ours. And so he puts this curse on two sides. Because it is the proclamation of the taking of land. It is the proclamation of taking of everything that has been taken from his bride. Look at the first curse. It says, everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side. That's pretty straightforward. Now, I didn't say here, everyone who is not my child who steals will be cleaned out. See, truth is truth. Whether you know Jesus Christ as Savior or not, truth is truth. You may escape hell by knowing Him as your Savior and living the life that you want to live, but you will not escape the consequences of this time. The consequences of even these curses on this scroll. What he's saying here is transparency is to be had. Oh my goodness, if you don't recognize that we are in those days, you're blind. Or, or maybe you don't turn on your TV at all. Turn the news on at all. Transparency is, is birthing everywhere. I mean, it, it, it blew my mind even, even I want to say, a year ago or a year and a half ago when, when people who have never had an opinion about anything, especially pastors and especially certain political figures that wanted to just be in the middle, just kind of please both sides. All of a sudden, they're being forced to make choices. They're being forced. It's almost like it vomits out of their mouth, like they can't hide it any longer. Look at it now. Look at it now. You see it all over the place. It's, it's really, for those who have eyes to see it, it's really obvious to look and see who is for God, who is not for God. Now, I'm not, take, I'm not talking about who is a Democrat and who is a Republican, who is conservative, who is, who is liberal. I mean, those are generic labels where the ones who rode the fence tried to hide in the middle. No, there is a right and there is a wrong. And hate to tell you this, but yeah, the Democratic platform is pretty obvious. But how about the Republicans or those who call themselves conservatives that don't stand on that 
on the principles of what God has said. They're being exposed. Because to those who stole, it will be taken from them. Oh, woe. Woe to those who have led this country with the lie that they're for God. And that leads us into the next one. And everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. What does that mean to swear falsely? To say, I'm for him. Yeah, I'm for God. And then live a life that isn't. Woe to those who have done this. Oh man, I mean, even recently I have heard some of these politicians, I mean, Nancy Pelosi did it recently, to claim something to be of God and they're speaking out of two sides of their mouth. They will be cleaned out. This is not something that the bride's going to do. This is something that God is going to do. An edict has already gone out. I declare it in Jesus' name. This scroll has flown. The scroll is out there. The curses are out there. I declare those in Jesus' name. That what is spoken is to be yes or no. There's no maybe in there. There's no fence riding in there. We're to be who we are in representing Christ. We don't represent ourselves. And I don't care where you are. If you're here in the States, if you're in Nigeria, if you're in other places in Africa, if you're in the Middle East, Asia, India, it doesn't matter. Because it's happening all over the world. The turmoil is all over the world. I was speaking with a, with a lady last night that I met over the phone. And what a great conversation about what the Lord is doing. I don't know her from Adam. She doesn't know me from Adam. But we both recognize the signs of the times in which we live. Recognize them. Recognize them. Don't be pulled into the doldrums of everyday life and just be reminded on Sundays, oh my goodness, please don't. Walk out of here with the recognition tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and every single day because God has a plan for your life every single day. When He says you're to be a light, a light is a giver, not a consumer. Right? A light, a light doesn't bring in light. A light projects light. And we're to be the light of the world. Not just on Sunday because our light's so dim we have to come together for it to be bright. It's supposed to be bright no matter what. Because church is every day. It's not like we come together on just the Sabbath and the other six days we do our own thing. 
Guess what? Tried that. Didn't work. Didn't work. We are to set aside time for Him to keep it holy. I'm not arguing with that and I'm not speaking about that. I'm saying don't assume and, and compartmentalize your calling to be when you come together and gather here or all the places online. Churches to be every moment of every day in your life because you're to be a beacon whether you're by yourself or you're with others. We're to be a beacon for Him. It's really as simple as that. That's what He's calling us to do. And these are the times in which we find ourselves. It says, verse 4, I will send it out, declares the Lord of hosts. And consider it sent, by the way. This isn't future tense. This isn't going to be happening. It has happened. He has sent this out already. And it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name. And it shall remain in his house and consume it both timber and stones. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what. There are enemies you could deal with on this earth. There are people that you could go up against. There are people that might scare you or or might not scare you. There's one enemy you don't want to have. That's God, the creator of all things. And that is what is happening in these curses. By doing those things, they have made themselves an enemy of God. And I, I want to predicate again the fact that this has nothing to do with your justification status. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you are saved. And Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says it can't be taken away from you because you're sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are guaranteed heaven. It doesn't mean that you are guaranteed Whatever you want here on this earth. Because your life is no longer yours. You have been bought with a price. You by choice received that gift. And in return, you offer your life for Him to do with what He wants. <laughs> the cool part about that is He just keeps giving. Can't outgive God. Give Him your life, and He gives you more life and more abundantly. Okay, I'll give you more of my life that you've given me more abundantly. What's he do? He gives you more life, more abundantly. He never stops. But those who have given him nothing and yet have received the eternal gift of life don't think that you're not part of this. It doesn't qualify this by those who are not my children. No, these two edicts that have gone out, these two declarations that have gone out, they go out flatline for this earth. And what it's saying is transparency is to be had. I speak of those in the bride who have secret sin, who have things that 
Nobody knows but them and God. Who they hide within themselves. Thinking if I keep a strong front, it will stay hidden. See, those things are lies. Those things are going to be seen. You're going to see it. You're going to see it throughout the fall. You're going to see pastors, known, well-known pastors of large churches that are going to be exposed for the sin that is in their lives. That sin isn't about, or that exposure isn't about some great victory. Oh, Lord, please bring them to their knees. Because the beauty about being a child of God is that forgiveness is always an utterance away. Always. Always. We can walk in that forgiveness by just asking for it. By recognizing the battlefield and recognizing what comes against, we can actually have freedom from that sin. Paul has said it over and over again. We don't have to be slavery. We don't have to be in slavery to our sin. We don't have to be held by strongholds in our lives that we just can't get beyond. I've known so many Christians that are held down by strongholds that they don't have to be. Whether it be alcoholism. I've known Christians that are encumbered by alcohol, by drugs. Probably one of the biggest by porn. They're encumbered and they don't know what to do. But see, they have something in their grasp. Being a child of God, they have the opportunity to ask forgiveness and to have the Lord fight for them. But they have to want it. You know, it's much like what we've talked about many times about the courts. Going before the Lord in forgiveness is a very serious thing. Because he said when that house is cleaned, if it's not filled with him, then the enemy figures that out and comes back seven times stronger. We've seen this happen. We have seen it happen with our own eyes. But yet he gives an opportunity It doesn't mean that, oh, well, man, I'll never ask forgiveness then because I don't want to be cleaned out and then it'd be worse. If your motivation is just to relieve the pressure, then where you need to begin with is your motivation. Your motivation has to be to please the Lord, to please Him. Because when our motivation is to please Him then He gives us the tools to do just that. And what I have also seen with my own eyes over and over and over again were those who had victory before His court, victory in that, in that freedom from sin, and walk it out and grow and explode. There are so many sitting here like that. 
that have freedom in Christ because their desire was Him. It wasn't that they just desired to be free of this encumbrance, but they wanted Him. Oh man, it's what He offers. It's what He offers. And, and, and the unique time in which we find ourselves is that exposure is coming, like it or not. Because it's time. We're going to see that exposure all over. And though, those who are exposed and those who do fall, pray for them. Especially in the bride. Don't look at it and say, oh, good, good thing they were found out. Yeah, good job, Lord. And let your hearts burn for them. Because at one point in their life, they wanted Him and everything about Him. Got caught up in lies. Got caught up in a world that they didn't know the power of. That they didn't understand the battlefield. So fight for them. Fight for them in your prayer. Because this exposure is not for intended for their detriment. And I'm talking about specifically in the bride. Those who know the Lord. It's not intended for their detriment. It is intended for their correction. It's intended for their hope. It's intended for their relationship with the Lord. To have a pathway that's clean that can be built between the two of them. So when this happens, and it's about to, over these next six months, you'll see it, to be, you'll see it begin in big ways. I don't know how it'll be driven. One way it'll be driven is fear. We saw it with COVID. Oh, shut down. Fear drove so many things. We saw a reaction in that. You're about to see the same thing. I don't know what from. I don't know if something else will come down and whatever, and it's fear all over again. It might be something else. It doesn't matter. It's going to be seen. The pathway will be tested. It'll be tested for you. It'll be tested for me. Because we're to trust in Him and we're to walk in His path no matter what. Because we're the church. We're the bride. We're supposed to exude Him in light everywhere that we are. Not just on Sundays and then we come on our own and now we live in sin for a few days. And then, oh man, it's Thursday. I better start getting my heart right. So I can show up on Sunday and God can use me. That's a wrong paradigm. That's a paradigm that won't cut it any longer. And, and I, I speak to pastors. Oh man, the Lord is waiting. He's waiting. All you have to do is hit your knees and truly go before Him and ask forgiveness. Ask that He fight for you. Have the desire for Him in relationship with Him, no matter where you are, you don't have to hold up a front. Because a front in your life is, a, is what's about to be torn down. 
man, we spend so many times we spend our lives building this persona of what we want people to think we are and how we want people to see us. God's ripping that shreds. That's what this edict is. That's what this declaration is. Truth will be known. Truth will be known in the pulpit, but truth will be known in the pew. Truth will be known in our seats of power, in our nation, in nations all over the world. He is bringing them to a place of judgment even now. And I know that's a heavy word. I have felt, I have felt the heaviness of the Lord for the past few days. But he says he is bringing this. He is bringing, he is the one bringing this judgment. And it's for the purpose of us recognizing him. It's for the purpose of our confidence. Not so we're not confident. Not so we're, you know, flipping out everywhere. Like, what's going on? No, he's doing this for the purpose of exposure and the purpose of our confidence. To be confident in him. To be confident in his word. To be confident in what he's doing. Because believe me, what he's doing is good. It's, it's not about the fact that he's bringing our world and specifically this nation to some chaotic place. So, so that way, okay, it's finally bad enough to where we'll just go meet him in heaven. No, it's not that. He's bringing it to a place of exposure because as deception is torn away, People, and I'm going to say especially his bride, I believe this with my whole heart, they're going to see truth. They're going to see truth that today they do not see. Today they are encompassed with lies. With the knowledge of something that is good without knowing the real good. Because they can't see it. Because they don't know what it means to seek his kingdom first. To understand him outside of an intellectual level. But he is doing this to get the attention of his bride. So don't be afraid of what's coming. Don't be afraid of the turmoil we're in right now. Don't be afraid of the turmoil that is coming before the end of the year. Because there's a lot of turmoil. But man, for us who have been, who have been ready for this... Man, it's like, bring it on. Bring it on, God. Do what you're going to do. Send out your scroll all over the earth. Bring a transparency. What do you think is happening when some of these politicians get up and accidentally speak what they mean? Oops, did I just say that out loud? Yeah. I I don't know about you. I, I, I mean... In, in my history, I, Alex and I have watched news, I mean, as long as we've pretty much been together. News has been a big part of our life. And, and we've, I, I could speak for me, I've never seen the slips up, slip-ups of transparency that you see all the time now. From politicians, from church leaders, from just leadership, you know, in, in all these dynamic forums. And yet you see it all the time now. 
That's God. And for those who are seeking him, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of the truth. The truth sets us free. God's intention is not to crush, but to set free. Now he knows the heart, and many will be crushed. It'll be their own choice. But that's not his intent. That's not the offer that he places before each one of us with open hands. He says, here, I I offer myself to you. I give you me, Jesus says. Because he already gave us everything on the cross. But for that, it costs us everything. It costs us our paradigms here on earth. And if you don't believe that now, that's okay. Take a deep breath. Because it's going to be plain to you momentarily. As circumstances come about on this earth, as you see creation rise up, We talked about this a few weeks ago when I was in Jordan, right on the the border of Israel. The Lord had me from Mount Nebo. He had me command creation to come alive, to fight for God's children. You're going to see that happen. You're already seeing that happen. Because creation's been groaning For what? To recognize who the sons of God are. Why? Because it's through that recognition that God is bringing about change. He's bringing about change. And not just for His children, but for Israel. And it's it's amazing to me because Israel is in many ways like the prodigal child. And, And I'm not referring... You know, I'm not applying it in that story necessarily, but but it's a nation who rejected their Messiah, who believed for centuries of a coming Messiah. We're even told of the very moment that would be his coming, the very day. It was predicted by Daniel to the very day of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and yet they didn't believe. Shame on them. They should have. They had the information. They knew it. But they were more caught up in the religious system than they were in the desire of relationship with that Messiah. It was offered to them. It was offered to them right then. Don't think that That only happened then and doesn't happen now. You have so many people now who know Jesus Christ as Savior, but are so caught up in a religious system, they don't see Him for who He is. That's why I said at the beginning, He told me that He's going to dismantle all of those religious systems. Because, see, there's not supposed to be 465 factions of his bride (laughs) that's not that's not a readied bride that's a split apart fractured messed up bride we're supposed to be unified and man that is the one thing that scares satan to death do you know his demise he he knows he knows 
that he has no power against Jesus. There's no comparison. There's no level playing field. You know what the level playing field is for Satan? You. Me. Because God chose to give us choice. We could choose to do right or wrong. We could choose God or not choose God. He never takes away that choice. He never takes away our free will. He leaves it as our choice. That, in and of itself, makes a level playing field for Satan. Not the power of Satan versus the power of God. There's no comparison. The level playing field is your choice and my choice. But there comes a time where it's time for God's will to be done on the earth. We live in that time because there have been people that have chosen to just believe. Just believe him no matter what. And, and please understand, it's not an easy thing to believe things that make no sense. I mean, imagine how it must have been for Noah. There was no such thing as rain. No such thing as the need for an ark to fill a bunch of animals into. You know, he was thrust into something that he knew nothing of. I mean, shipbuilding. Have you ever built a ship? (laughs) I can't imagine that would have been that easy, let alone one big enough to fit all of those. But yet he believed. Why? Because he knew his God. He knew the Creator. He knew his voice. He had an intimate relationship with him. Abraham, same way, walked in the promise of God for 25 years before he even saw the fruits of it. The Lord said to him, you will be the father of many nations. Your offspring will not even, it it, it will outnumber the stars of the sky. I, I mean, that's a bold statement. And then waiting 25 years to even have a, have a kid. And yet when he had the child, Imagine the elation of his faith. Only probably 15 years later or roundabout, that child to be offered. He said, offer him to me. Boy, what a tough test of faith. Tough test of faith. Don't think that that is just their test and you are not being tested in the same ways. It is not easy to believe something that makes no sense. It's not easy to believe that God is in control of everything right now because it's so chaotic. It's so anti-God. <laughs> the, the voices that are for the enemy are so loud, so overwhelming. How in the world could that be true? But yet, God has told us to walk in that faith. So we walk in it. And it's because it is the time of His gathering. He is gathering His remnant together. He is bringing them together in one voice. That voice that is...
separated all over the world, those intimate with the Lord that He speaks through, He is bringing them together. Why? Because of unity. Because the unity of the faith is the literal expulsion of love. It's, it's, it's where God's love in a volume is pressed through His people and put out. That's the one thing Satan can't do anything with. He doesn't know how to. It says that in 1 Corinthians 13. He doesn't know how to deal with love. Because he doesn't even know what love is. That's what God's doing in that unity. That's why Satan is so afraid of the bride coming together, the real bride, not the church. Not the impotence of a structure, but the real bride. The real remnant who have relationship with Jesus Christ, that's who Satan's afraid of. You think Satan's afraid of a Christian church who claims Christ? I'm sorry. The Vatican himself is his home. That's pretty weird. Why wouldn't he choose like some mountain somewhere? It's because of being under the pretense of what is godly. It's not godly at all. The truth is being shown. The truth will be shown And it is coming out now. Don't be afraid of it, but be a voice box for it. There are so many people here that he wants to speak through. In this room, yes, I'm speaking online as well, but in this room, there are so many people here that he wants to speak through. He wants to put you in places with people that he wants to speak his truth to. Some of you let him, some don't. But he wants it in each one of you. That is bringing the bride together. That is building the unity of what is going to crush Satan's head. I'm going to say one last thing in reference to where we're at right now. Because I I just find this so interesting. If you study this next part, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, well, let me read it. Sorry. Verse 5. Then the angel who talked with me came forward and said to me, lift your eyes and see what this is that is going out. And I said, what is it? He said, this is the basket that is going out. And he said, that is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the leaden cover was lifted, and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, This is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket and thrust down the leaden weight on its opening. I want you to understand what's going on with this, because these are, these are the days in which we live right now. Wickedness is being exposed. What I've talked about for the last half hour, whatever it's been. Wickedness is being exposed. Okay, But what God is doing is bringing a ceiling upon this. This wickedness that is being exposed is for the purpose of it being sealed, for it being sent away. Where is it being sent to? 
Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they taking the basket? He said to me, to the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when this is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. Don't be confused by what this is saying. First of all, those, those two women are witches. It represents witchcraft. It represents the true form of worship to Satan. True form of worship to Baal. What is being squeezed out right now, and for the next three years at least, will be squeezed out of this world and exposed and done away with, will be put away. And I'm talking about the leadership form of it. Not taking away anybody's choice. And, and I don't want to dovetail into this, but do some study on the thousand-year reign of Christ. He rules with a rod of iron. That's because there is sin capable during that time. In fact, there will be swift replication for that sin. Wickedness has been or is being put away. It will be put into a place that has seed for a later time. That later time is what will lead to the tribulation. That's why it's being taken to the land of Shinar. land of Shinar is Babylonia. It is where Babylon is. It, it is. it is where the idea of city on this earth even began. It's where the Tower of Babel was. It will be taken back to that place and hidden for a time that is appointed. And as they build a house for it, when they're able to, it will rise again. That will be after we're gone. Don't be confused. There will be a rapture. But before that rapture, there will be the bride ruling on this earth, ruling with Jesus Christ. This is the foreshadowing literally to make Israel jealous. Romans 11.11. It's to bring them to a place of recognizing the Savior the Messiah that they rejected 2,000 years ago. These are the times in which we find ourselves. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Move forward. Let the Lord use your voice with power and passion. Don't be afraid of what the world does. Don't be afraid of the people around you and what they say. You be God's voice. Come on up, Alexis. You be His voice. Let Him speak through you because you are not alone. He is bringing His children together. Part of the reason that, well, the whole reason that we're getting ready is because of the glory of God. I always think of Acts and when... When Peter was talking and referring back to Joel about that the Lord's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, um, one of the ways that he pours his spirit out is um, in showing his glory. And it 
to, in order for it to be shown in God's people, we have to be purified. We have to be readied. We have to be able to carry the weight of the glory. And so um, my prayer is always in this choose you this day whom you will serve is that um, people will be able to receive everything that God has and be willing to lay down everything he doesn't want for us. And so um, this is such an important reminder. I just, um, this is a hard time in the sense of being willing to just hear God and listen. And, and what I was thinking back there before I close in prayer today, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, enduring faith is a character building faith. What is character? Character is who you are when nobody's looking. Who you are in the privacy of, humanly, in the privacy of your life. But in the spirit realm, there is no privacy. There, everything is exposed. Everything is seen. And so your character, your spiritual reputation, if you will, in the kingdom, is those moments when you choose him, even when no other human is around. And the Lord is wanting, um, he, part of the reason he's exposing everything is because he's wanting to expose what people have been deceived thinking can be hidden. When really, when you seek the kingdom of God first, you are seeking a reality where nothing can be hidden. It is all exposed. And so when you think about um, your character and even the, the verse I love, and I mentioned to the ladies in the ladies' class about Philippians 128, not to be intimidated by your enemies because it will be a sign to them of their destruction. Not being intimidated is recognizing they can't use anything against you because, Lord, when I ask the Lord to search me, try me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting, what I'm asking is, Lord, expose anything because your forgiveness is so wonderful. Expose it that I might lay it down before you. And when I lay it down before him and he reveals it, I love the correction of the Lord because it allows for greater purification. And the more pure he makes me, the more I can draw closer and closer to him and his holiness. So it's a really beautiful thing to walk in purity. And that exposure, we don't have to fear that exposure. There's a lot of pressure to be a hypocrite. It's just a lot of pressure to try to hide a whole world away from other people. Whereas when you can walk in the truth of James 5.16, confess your faults one to another, that ye may be healed. There is healing that comes when you realize, Lord, build this enduring faith. Build the, the deep character within me so that who I am in front of people is who I am with you. I don't have to worry that I'm two people. And I'm just who I am as you work through me. And that doesn't mean perfection. It just means surrender. It just means a laid down life that he is constantly perfecting as we become more and more like him. So it is such an, it's an amazing offer that, he, that the Lord gives us. But it is because he wants to pour out his spirit on us. And he wants us to be able to carry that glory. So um, Zechariah is a complex Heavy book, but I encourage you to spend some more time in that and understand what the Lord is saying in it. Um, don't, don't be quick. The enemy's really trying to do as, as strong a job as he can to cause this psychological 
battle in our minds, especially to not even hear something that's being spoken in truth. Um, some, there's so often Greg will make a statement and I can hear the demons trying to whisper to somebody that he's saying it, not the way he's saying it. Um, and so we have to be Bereans. We have to take things before the Lord. And if, if, they're, if you're not hearing something right, you want to you go before the Lord and say, okay, is that what was said? Is that what you're doing? Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to take with you um, offense and confusion. And we have, to, we have to really just get clarity, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to just pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your love. God, thank you for the offer of salvation, God. Thank you that when we seek you, we will find you. And I thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. You became a man while always being God. You became a man by choice, limiting yourself to be crucified on a cross to pay the debt that only you could pay for our sin offering us the gift of salvation if we just simply receive you as our Savior. Thank you for that beautiful gift of salvation. I pray anyone listening to my voice who has not received you as Savior would invite you into their life and become just a believer and begin this amazing relationship with you. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus. And then for those of us who have received you, God, I just pray that you would just um, bring about a deep surrender and that people would see you for who you really are. God, reveal yourself, your love to each and every one of us to the next level. That anything being um, withheld or, or that we're holding on to from any lie of the enemy, from a, a deficiency that we perceive that is there, God, that we would just trust you and lay it down. And then you would continue to grow us from faith to faith. So, God, I just pray that you would open the eyes of your bride, Lord, that we would be ready for you to pour out your glory. God, thank you for your holiness. Thank you for your justice. That while it is difficult, God, it is a cleansing that has to take place in order for your glory to be shown. And so, God, do your will. God, and I just pray that people would know They would know and trust that you love and you've got us no matter what we go through. You have us. I just praise you and worship you for that truth. God, just take us from this place in this word, God, um, with just a, a desire to go deeper with you and learn more of you, God. And I pray you would drive home this word today deep into the soil of our hearts. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.